Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. How's everybody doing? When I think about the body of Christ, when I think about the church in the earth, I think about being or watching a, a scene or a movie a animation. In today's animations, you'll find that there are layers, layers of humor, layers of plot, layers of, of, of uh, aspects of the storyline. Some are perceptible easily to the lowest common denominator. That means even kids are going to understand what's going on, but there are more weaved into the, into the fabric of that movie are more complex things that only the adults watching will understand. And similarly, in the kingdom of God, there are things unfolding on various levels. And it, what it means is that there's something for everybody. There's something uh, in worship, either for us personally, but there's also in it something in it for God. And the more mature are more focused on the things that are in it for God. But there is purpose in worship that pertains to establishing the kingdom of God on earth. And I'm, my prayer this morning is that we will not just tap into those things that are personally for us. However, if that's what we need, that's great. You know, if you need personal encouragement, if you need to feel the presence of God today to, in order to feel that he loves you and to gain the strength to go on another week, that's important. On the other hand, there are things coming into play in the earth around the kingdom of God that people of faith are pulling down to the earth. That every time we say the words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, that is not just empty rhetoric. It's actually part of a collective working that's happening in the earth where our people are beginning to realize that, man, heaven is coming to the earth. That means there are... There are manifestations of God that can completely fix every single problem there is in our cities, in our nations. And that this is not just a vague idea, something that we're hoping for to experience when we die and go to heaven. But actually, when we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's because God intends not for us just to go to heaven. He's intending for heaven to come to the earth. That evil is going to be annihilated. The works of darkness are going to be undermined and destroyed by the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth. So as we begin to pray, I want to, I want to say this. May our eyes be opened today to the deeper working of God in the earth. May we be able to engage at an increasingly higher and higher level. So we're going to begin to worship today. I think we're going to sing a new song, a song we were singing in Hong Kong this last week. And when we began to sing it, let me, let me share this with you. We have moments where there are movements in sound that begin to emerge in our worship. And sometimes we're, we get impatient when five or six, seven minutes in, you know, there isn't some kind of breakthrough or some kind of resolution. One of the things that amazed me in Hong Kong, A, there were, we had about 10,000 Chinese there that were gathered together, but they had a, a persistence, they had a faith that enabled these sounds to evolve, to emerge over cycles that were 20 and 30 minutes long. Now, granted, you know, we had three hours of worship at a time, and we were not hemmed in by the constraints of of scheduling and you know having to go for lunch at 1:30 or 1 or 12:30 or whatever it is but that's a part of what God wants to do he says listen is there a people on the earth who a will give themselves both in faith and in terms of time to usher in my presence into the earth and that's what he's doing he's increasing the capacity to say no there is a manifestation of God that can be brought into the earth that is just slightly beyond our reach right now, that, that, that we are beginning to grow expectant about. So, Father, this morning I pray that we would be filled with a faith that says you will have your inheritance. You will have the destiny that has been promised to you by your Father. 
Lord, that we exist here today not to please ourselves, but please the one who died for us. Can you say amen to that? I mean, after all, what are we here for today if it is not to please the one who gave his life on the cross, who died for us, so that we can participate in the kingdom of God? We say, Lord, Jesus, be glorified today. Be glorified. Be glorified. You will have your inheritance. I kept hearing the words, he will reign over me, over me. And suddenly I remembered the, the taunt of the nations. And Psalms to this says, we will not have this man to rule over us. And this is the point of division between the two kingdoms. Will he reign or will he not reign? And these days are days of preparation for you, children of God. As you answer the question within your own heart, will he reign or will he not reign over me? Will he reign over part of my life or will he reign over all of my life? We say you will reign. You will reign. You will reign. I prophesy to my own body. I prophesy to my own mind and my own soul. He will have dominion. Come on, prophesy to your own being. He will reign. I command it. He will reign. I feel like the Holy Spirit is inviting us into a dance with him. That the effect of his ruling and reigning over our lives is that our entire life, our entire existence on earth becomes a dance with him. A beautiful arrangement of steps and movements as we walk together perfectly synchronized manifesting the beauty of a life resigned to God Lord teach us to dance Teach us to stay in step with you. I want to invite those who are comfortable moving their body in unusual ways to the Spirit to step out from where you are and release yourself. I believe there's a kind of alignment that God almost wants to initiate into our being as we respond in the most primal way, in the most basic way, in our bodies, almost demonstrating you will have lordship even over my body. I will dance. I will dance with you. I will move with you. And if you have to just see what somebody else is doing and humble yourself by doing what they're doing, and particularly for, that, that for Canadians, that's a hard thing. But listen, God's the one that's watching. Something is just... I see this picture of what God is looking for in us. And there's these lines we just have decided we won't cross sometimes. And I think of Job, and Job was a man who was so obedient to God, so faithful, that God decided he could use him as an object lesson for all creation. He says to Satan, with utter confidence, knowing that, believing, seeing the faithfulness of Job, and knowing that he could, he would say, have you, have you seen my servant Job, have you seen, you want to see an example 
of my kingdom at work? Do you want to see a foretaste of the fact that I'm going to have a people resigned to my will? I, do you want to know what the evidence is that I'm going to have a people who will be volunteers in the day of my power, who will give themselves fully to my will? Look at my servant Job. Now put yourself in that place. What would you have done? If God says, man, because of your faithfulness, I'm going to demonstrate to principalities and powers that you are so fully resigned to me, I'm going to allow the most horrific circumstances come into your life, and you will not back off from me, you will not flinch, you will walk in complete obedience. And I'm thinking... I'm glad you didn't choose me. Because right in the middle of that grand colossal performance on the greatest stage of that the universe could provide, I would have balked. I might have cursed you when my wife said curse you. Though I don't do everything my wife says. But where would you have fared in that moment? What is the line where you say, this far, Lord, and no further? God is in the middle of moving that line. But you got to find out where it is. And I have to say that for a long time, I thought my line was in a place it wasn't. I thought it was further than it was. And just as a practical example, I was, and I hang around with some pretty dedicated people and, you know, sometimes their example of obedience just, uh, I just think, oh, I'm so glad God's not calling me to do that. But I started hearing the sound of a whisper, like, what if I started? What if I started asking you for that kind of obedience? Man, I don't know. I was woken up in the middle of the night, so tired. Just so tired. And I was saying, I just need sleep. I just need sleep. And he said, what about now? What if I were calling you to get up and pray the rest of the night now because I had a critical need? Would you be available in this moment for me? Two things are happening. I knew he wasn't calling me, but I felt like he was saying, what if? All I could say was, I'm glad you're not. Because I would not. And that was, that was the honest response of the moment. I cannot do that. But this is the process where God is coming into your life. And their first, you know, when we're insecure, we lie. We say, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to do anything. No, you wouldn't. And when you start to become comfortable with the truth... Start to come to the realization of that you actually have limitations, that you will not do certain things. Sometimes we just say, well, God doesn't require that. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Keep hiding behind that one. And maybe that's okay for right now. But God is looking for people, and he's asking, how far are you going to go? How close to Job's obedience can you come? Are you ready to be volunteers in the day of my power? And I said, Lord, no, I'm, I'm not ready for that. But I'm willing to be made ready. I'm, be, I'm willing because I know that the, there's a grace that can be laid hold of to be able to do that. It's not just a death. It's a death and a life. It's a death and a resurrection. It's a laying down, but then it's something comes into you that enables you to enter into a new level of obedience. But we're somewhere along that, and God is right now starting to identify that line for some of us. And for some of us, it's in the middle of offense. It's in the middle of anger over a person. It's in the middle of a feeling about somebody, a brother or a sister, a husband or a wife said, listen, can you die to yourself right here? And most of you say, yeah, no. Talk to me again tomorrow about this time. And God's permissive in the sense that, you know, 
He's not going to ask you for something right now beyond what you're capable. But let me tell you, he's intent on moving that line. Maybe not today, but later this year, he will say, okay, no. No more 24 hours for you. Remember Pastor Gideon said that about offense? He said God used to give him an hour. Now he has a window of five seconds. He's allowed to be offended for five seconds. How's that impossible, you think? That is the increasing manifestation of grace in the lives of a people who are willing to be ruled by the righteous one. It's not a matter of commitment and strength. It's a matter of willingness. We all have different strengths. It's a matter of saying when you start to see, huh, that line is not where I thought it was. Okay, Lord, make me willing. Make me willing. So, Father, we want to present ourselves today as a people that might not be ready to be volunteers in the day of your power. But we are saying, Lord, we are willing to be made volunteers for the day of your power. So, Lord, penetrate our lives. Show us where the lines are. Show us, Lord. Give us eyes to see when you're putting your finger on these these hidden places of our heart. We don't want to say no to you. We don't want to stand before you, Lord, one day and realize we said no to you. Here, 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 and here. We want you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. It doesn't just apply to moments in the middle of the night, doesn't just apply to forgiveness, it doesn't just apply to some of those things. In some ways, it applies to elements like this morning. I saw us entering a realm of intercession, but we, we did not enter into it this morning. We could have, but we did not. And that has to do with our capacity. But I saw... It's like a tug of war, except I saw this this ribbon and people pulling like a tug of war. You know how they, you go into that rhythm, you start that rhythm, and you're trying to pull the other team. But in this case, it wasn't a team. It was the mag. It was the the majesty of the ruling Jesus, the reigning one, being pulled into the realm of the earth. And there is a very real intercession where. Where, where we are pulling on heaven. But it looks foolishness to the wise. It looks like foolishness. It looks ridiculous because it doesn't seem to have any purpose or substance to it to those who cannot perceive the value of intercession. And so the second part of my heart this morning is God, prepare us as a church be able to invest ourselves more fully into these moments, Lord. Where we're, we are like mimes going through the motions of something except we're not pretending it's real. But only we know it's real. And it doesn't matter who else doesn't know. And that's a sacrifice as well. And that's a line that God is calling us to cross. I'm not sure if this is real. I'm not sure if I want to look stupid. David said to his wife, who was critical of him, it was unto the Lord that I danced. But we look back at that and we say, wow, that's so great. But you know, no, that moment was not prescribed by anybody. That moment was not, you know, there was nothing legitimate in terms of a culture, nothing in terms of a ritual that said that was an, a legitimate kingdom expression. It was made legitimate by the faith the faith and the devotion of David in that moment. It was to the Lord. 
Father, may we find those moments in our worship where we can, in the face of criticism, be confident that it was unto the Lord. Lord, we want to serve you with our worship. We want to bow the knees of our hearts and our literal knees to your name. We want to say you will have your inheritance. Can you say that with me? You will have your inheritance. You will have your inheritance. Now lay your hand on your head. You will have your inheritance. Beginning with this body. Romans 12.1 says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And there's something in us that says, oh, I don't, I'm not sure God requires me to bow my knee physically. I'm not sure God requires me to dance. I'm not sure God requires me to speak and say hallelujah. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. I speak to my body. I speak to my being. I speak to everything inside of me that is resistant. Jesus will have his inheritance. Did you, did you feel that atmosphere move in? You know, one of the reasons why we bring out flags is because flags, like everything else in dance and prophetic movement, represents something that's unfolding in the spirit. And, uh, but, you know, it's not like angels when they come have flags. Angels are the flags. Uh, I began to see the movement of angels, like a movement of flags. You know, as their arms go and their wings go, it actually is this, this, this beautiful kaleidoscope of color and movement. Each one revealing something of the kingdom of heavens, even revealing something of the dimension of who God is. So if you want to grab a flag, there's something that we are representing in the natural that's actually unfolding in the spirit. Because we want to say, let the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Ten thousands upon thousands of angels, dancing angels, flying angels, like winds, like flames of fire, dancing. Who knows what could happen in five hours? Who knows what could happen after five days? Who knows how the Lord would manifest himself after five hours within five days of three weeks fasting? We are... The lines, the definitions of what it means to seek the Lord are changing. And there is a church that's entering into what is required for this hour. We want to be part of that. Amen? Thank you, Lord. It says, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And later it says, when David returned home, to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls or the servants, as any vulgar feller would. Fella, feller. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, 
had no children in the day of her death. See, David honored the Holy Spirit. The ark carried the Holy Ghost. And you know who the ark is today? That's you. You are the ark. We are the ark that carries the Holy Ghost, that carries the Spirit of the Lord God Almighty on the earth. By listening to the sounds of our lover as he whispers in our ear. You know, there's, uh, there's no end. We have to create an end. And that's, that's what happens when worship on earth starts to resemble the worship in heaven. It's like the river that goes out from underneath the throne of God. It doesn't stop going out. It doesn't stop flowing. There's a river that never stops flowing, never runs out. And our worship, our adoration becomes a staging point for what's in heaven to manifest into the earth. And the only question is how much are we giving ourselves to that manifestation. So, hallelujah. I'm just going to take a couple minutes here to uh, just share a couple of things. How many of you were part of uh, Kids Camp this week? Is that what we called it, Kids Camp? Stand up if you were part of Kids Camp. Okay. Look at these great people. Hallelujah. Now, you know, uh, everybody's, everybody's participation was great, but whose idea was it to have a kid's camp? You and Tareen. I'm so glad I told you guys to do that. No, I'm joking, because I didn't tell you to do that, which, uh, which is really the heart of just a couple of things I want to say about what the church is meant to be. Let me read a scripture from Ephesians chapter 4. I'll start reading back further than, than we need to, but just to give you context. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The work of the ministry is what went on this week as the body took care of, of kids, imparted life, imparted love, imparted knowledge, entertained maybe, uh, you know, the whole myriad of expressions were manifest in that. But all of that was the work of the ministry. Okay, so God gives the fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man to the measure of the, of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunningness and craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's the part I want to focus on. I'm going to reread it here in a second. But this is the idea, is that the body of Christ is, is not a system of programs managed by an individual. It's not the senior pastor saying, hey, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. No, what, what I am called to do is nurture your connection with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit's love can manifest in you and desires to fulfill the desires of his heart will begin to arise in you and then you spontaneously take on certain functions. You just start doing things. Now... In a democracy, we're often fond of putting everything off to the government. Somebody should be doing such and such. You know, we see a problem, we see a need, and we decide somebody somewhere should be doing it. Well, in the kingdom of God, that somebody is you. Yeah. 
fact, the very first, the very first nuance of a call is the perception of need. Hello? The perception of need that you carry is not your mandate to get somebody else to do it. The perception of need is the foreshadowing of maybe something in your heart that God wants you to do. From whom the whole body. So from Christ, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Even unity in itself. The unity of the body, the cohesion that we have is created because joints supply. Now, not everybody's a joint, but joints supply unity. Joints pull together. Joints engage us according to the working by which every part does its share and causes the growth of the body for edifying itself in love. The simple part of this, and this is the, the heart of what I want to communicate, is, is we are accustomed because of what we do when we're young and immature. Our parents tell us, pick up your socks, brush your teeth, go to bed, Right? Yeah, there comes a point where you don't have to be told to do that anymore. There's that awkward stage where you just don't, right? You know, stay up till four in the morning, which stops, you know, pretty abruptly when you got to get up at five to actually work, right? So the demands of life force you into disciplines. But the idea of it is this, is that, is that maturity, where we're going, is not where we're like under tutors or taskmasters to tell us, all day long, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Really, the expression of what we're trying to come to is getting to a place where uh, we, by nature, are doing what is in our heart to do un unto God. And so this kids camp this week, man, is a, it's a great example of that. I mean, it's a, it was a great ministry. 75 kids were here. A lot from, uh, obviously, our community, but some from outside our community and uh, Matt has a great story of meeting a, a kid in a playground, and they, I guess him and his sister or something were here, and it, it's, it's so great. But even that, even Matt inviting or bringing a child, well, who told you you could do that? Who told you you should do that? Right? I mean, uh, the body of Christ is not this legislated central government kind of thing that, that dictates everything. It is... It is the fivefold ministry facilitates your connection with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and then you begin to walk that out, and it materializes in you doing things. Now, uh, there's a whole process of when you start to do things, of God purifying that, God bringing that into alignment, and all that stuff. We won't even talk about that. We don't need to talk about that today. But when I was thinking this morning, actually in the shower, I get a lot of inspiration in the shower, it's like, you know, I'm relaxed, and warm water and everything, and nobody's bugging me. And, uh, and I started thinking of, of some of the spontaneous. Where's Me is Melody Howell here? Oh, there she is. I was thinking about you and Gavin. I was thinking about uh, some of the things that, that you guys do. You know, you got, the, I mean, we, we, we went on that tour two years ago with Israel, and suddenly Melody caught the vision that, wow, you know, this is an, area I didn't know about, and, I, and suddenly she become passionate about. We want to facilitate informing and instructing and equipping the body of Christ with this knowledge about the significance of Israel. So she took that on. I never told her to take that on, but her passion, her connection with it, wow, there's, this is important. This needs to happen. And so she didn't come to me and say, Pastor Mark, you need to do more of this. You know, she just came, you know, I have a heart to do this. Can I, is it all right if I do that? Absolutely. Do with it. Run with it. Well, what is, what, is the, what is the metron of what degree you're supposed to do this? Like, what, is, is this a ministry? Is it a full-time job? Is it just to inform our church? Is it to be a liaison? What is it? Well, I don't know, and it doesn't matter. Walk it out and see what happens. See what measure that God gives you according to the grace that's on you. I don't even have to decide that. You know, you, uh, uh, Drew has been probably our most regular baptizer. And, you know, he's, he's been the one, he's been passionate, well, until lately, I haven't seen him doing much lately, but, but you know, he's been passionate about getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized and running classes. Well, well, who made him that guy? Passion, availability, heart. That's what makes you that guy. 
Well, I want to be important too. Well, that's not quite the motivation we're looking for. You know, uh, and God has to weed that out of you. And the, but the point is this. Ministries are birthed out of passion and desire. Well, who, who told Matt and Carrie they could go to Guatemala and be missionaries? You know, who, who told Matt, you know, to do a, you know, 7,000, what do you call it? Free throws, yeah. <laughs> they weren't that free. And he's got a, hand, a swollen hand to prove it. You know, well, who, who told you to do that? Who told you? I, I have a desire. I see a need. There's things that I'm just coming up with ideas. I'm trying to be obedient to God's. And Matt didn't run around and say, well, how come everybody, everybody should be doing this? No, not everybody should be doing this. Matt's going to call to do that. He's doing it. He's stepping out. He's engaging those whose hearts are, are needing to be engaged with that. And so we bless that. We, you know, and on and on it goes. I was thinking about some of the other things, you know, that go on here. And, uh, and I started thinking about some of the things that aren't going on here. I'm thinking about, well, what about evangelism? I mean, in, pa- in times past, I've heard people say, you know, we should go out to the streets. And I think, well, so go. Right? It's like, don't you see people at work? Right? It's like, don't you have neighbors? You know, Chris and Jen, this is not part of their job as pastors. They have their neighbors in all the time. They're always reaching out. He goes coaching soccer in order to create relationship, and he's building. Now people know he's a pastor, and so it's creating opportunities for him to share, you know, why is your life so stable? Why are you, you know, what is this thing? And he has opportunity to influence. Well, how do you get that? The body just functioning starts with just caring caring about the Lord and then all of a sudden God begins to awaken you to some need and now there's some things as believers we all do right I learned that from my brother when he was uh, in the military he was a clerk in the military but then he went out on this thing where he was you know with guns and everything I said why I said well you have a gun too he said well I, I am in the army you know, there's some things that are required by all of us as soldiers outside of our trade, some commonality to who we are. And so there's some common things we need to learn to do as believers, being led by the Spirit, being able to worship. All of those things are you cannot be exempt from, all right? But there are distinguished things, unique things that God might be calling you to do. How do you discover that? I remember years ago we were in the Church of Zion. The Church of Zion is largely Chinese church, and if you've ever been to a Chinese restaurant, you'll notice ascetic decor is not their strength. <laughs> Anybody know, notice that? It's like, you know, you've got a couple of wooden chairs, the worst, worst, most uncomfortable things you ever think. They don't even match, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, the food's good, but we, don't, we come here for the food, not the ambiance. But I remember one time <clears throat> David Demian was challenging the body. He was saying, listen, you might notice the Chinese are not the best at decor. And the Chinese are like, what? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. They, they didn't seem to respond <laughs> negatively. But, you know, sometimes you don't know what you, because it just doesn't matter to you. Right? And, I mean, some of us like to dress up and some of us don't even notice. What? I forgot to comb my hair? I didn't even think of that. So, so what precipitates call or ministry or, uh, is desire. What you notice is missing. It's not a license to complain. It is a call to minister. It may not be the total package of where God is calling you, but it is a beginning point that will cause something else to unfold. And so you need to be obedient to begin to serve in the capacity that God has given you. And the beautiful thing is you watch other things. You know, and again, this is where sometimes we get it wrong. We, we see big expressions, right? We see uh, something that's celebrated by hundreds or by thousands. We say, yeah, I want to do that. Uh, here, no, that's not how it works. The guy who started that started with a seed 
started with a desire. It became that because of his obedience and the will of the Holy Spirit unfolding it. Well, I don't understand. Well, it's not fair because I did that and it only became this. The smaller. This, it's not celebrated by thousands. I want to do something that's celebrated by thousands. Then you don't understand the kingdom of God. You know, in your garden, you've got some seeds that create trees that are massive and others that sometimes the seeds are bigger than the original seeds that started made that big, big tree, but you have a bigger seed and you end up with a smaller plant. What's that about? kingdom the point is you don't want to be doing what God is not calling you to do you don't want to exceed the metron of God's authority in your life in terms of the influence that you may or may not want in the body of Christ and let me tell you God is the one who apportions that metron you just want to be faithful and that may be encouraging the young people. That may be entering in the prophetic. That may be, uh, you know, walking with the youth. That may be hosting a home group. That may be inviting your neighbors over, plus, plus, plus the other things, because there's still things that need to be done, right? As a part of being a family, and on and on and on. But, getting back to my original point, none of this happens because Pastor Mark says, you should do or be this. It happens because somebody's connecting with destiny. Somebody's connecting with purpose out of the heart of God. And then they walked steps of simple obedience and suddenly started doing this. People often ask, well, how did, how did you do this thing where you're traveling all over the world and stuff? I don't know. Started by me teaching Sunday school. Started by me sitting down with, you know, my roommates because I was mining things in the word and I was started sharing with them and they're like, where do you get this stuff? And I began to realize, well, what I, I was getting it in a unique way because I thought, it's right there. What's the matter with you? And so you begin to find your lane in the kingdom of God. And where that lane takes you is where that lane takes you. And it may be to pastor a church of 25 people in you know, Marathorpe, or it might be going up to the north, or it might be running a Sunday school, or it might be reaching out to four or five teens that really need uh, encouragement over the next year, and you bring them into your house, and you bless them, and you, you're there for them. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's organic in its formation. It's not prescribed, it's not coerced, it's not demanded by this structure that's leadership or whatever. It is passion, desire, anointing, and then see where it goes. And one last thing about this. Yeah, I lost it. It was important. Maybe if I have a drink, it'll come back. So I'm really thirsty. Thanks for those who are praying for me for this week. Uh, this week I've been sick all week and <coughs> coming back from Hong Kong. I know probably others were sicker, but I appreciate your faith. Yeah, I can't remember what that thing was. I'll have to touch on it another day. Oh, no, I do remember. It's the, the macro picture from a business cycle or business perspective. I was just reading something the other day about the nature of small business. These stati statistics were in the United States, but it talked about the, the, the part that small business plays in the economy of the U.S. It is actually the backbone of the economy of the U.S., largest economy in the world. Um, I don't have all the statistics, but it's, I mean, most people don't even realize how big the U.S. economy is. Uh, probably Jim has stats here. How many times the economy of Europe? Used to be six times the economy of all of Europe. So uh, anyway, it's huge. Small business. Do you know what small business is? A mom and a pop deciding we want to we provide a service. Well, who told you you could do that? Where do you find the license 
to create business or create service. It's with it's not within any it's not within society at large. Oh yeah, you can get a piggyback, you can buy a franchise or those kinds of things. But the backbone or the initial seed of small business is just desire. I want to do this. I want to provide this service. I want to work in this area. And you just start it and you build your clientele and on and on it goes from there. In the same way the government does doesn't tell you, okay, you're gonna fix cars and you're gonna clean, you know, toilets and you're gonna and on and on and on. You're gonna start a restaurant, you're gonna wash windows. The government doesn't do that. You find your lane. And it is a picture of the kingdom of God where there is this invisible government in the Holy Spirit, in the Godhead that is unreachable, untouchable, but causes ministry all over the world. Multitudes, hundreds, thousands, millions of places to just erupt out of the lives of normal people because we are connecting with him. He puts a seed in us and suddenly we're functioning. That's the kingdom of God. My role is not to make any of that happen. It is to facilitate your connection with him so that the seeds of destiny that are in you can germinate and begin to grow and then help you along the way, provide good soil for yourself and weed it out and make sure the, that crop that's beginning to emerge is not snuffed out. So... Let me read this beautiful passage one more time. Uh-oh. There it is. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I want to say whether you have a desire to go and share the gospel with teens or whether you want to have a prison ministry and go and or whether you want to go. You know what? We have old folks' homes filled with dying people who would be so blessed if you came in and played your guitar poorly. I'm not saying that to belittle guitar playing. I'm just saying there are places for you to develop a ministry or a craft that begins with wanting to meet needs. You know these are people that are lonely. They're hurting, and there's nobody there who loves them or paying any attention. Yeah, but that's not significant enough for me. What is? These opportunities are before us. Hurting, broken people. And it's not, I'm not saying this to guilt anybody. It's a question, have you found a passion, a desire? Yeah, there's things that are, need to be done in-house, and that is a part of it. But we don't want to do that in order to hide from doing the other. Amen? So I, I was trying to think of a few other ministries that happen because there's a lot of things that go on. But again, they're not compelled upon people be, by the leadership. We just create opportunities and bless and cover. And uh, I know it was Rick and, and Della for years who uh, went, was it, did you go to the prison or did you go to old folks home? Old folks home. And, you know, if you want to hear a testimony of the, the steps in a man's life, in a family's life, and to walking out the call of God in its simplicity, talk to them. Hear their story. Ask them about the challenges they went through, what it felt like when others didn't participate or come behind them, and what God had to do in their heart to release them from it. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal because every single one of us here have a functional role, a part to play in this body, in this community, to manifest Christ. Amen? All right, Father, thank you that you are manifesting your kingdom here on earth. 
And uh, Lord, we just want to we want to bless what you're doing in each and every one of us. And we want to say, Lord, let those seeds of destiny germinate, find their expression in our lives. In Jesus' name. Steve, did you want to say something before we? Uh I just want to share an experience I had this week. Um, Wednesday night, we had a little family thing, uh, and we ended up watching Miracles from Heaven. Has anybody seen that movie? Does anybody like it? It was fantastic. It really was. I wept through most of it. Carolyn went to uh, her Facebook. We had dishes to do, and she went and checked out Facebook. Anyway, she came across this story of her sister's daughter's friend. So her niece has this friend, anyway, whose husband is in the hospital with a brain tumor. They've got a couple kids, and um, anyway, she read this story, and she's like, Steve, come here. So I come into the kitchen, and she can't even express what's going on inside of her. And she's scrolling through Facebook and trying to refine the, the spot that she wants to read to me of what's taking place. And I'm like, babe, what? just tell me, what's going on? And she couldn't. She finds it, and she starts reading this post on Facebook to me. The post wasn't exceptionally well-written. It wasn't moving in its nature. But my heart was just gripped for this man. And I just began to weep and weep and weep. And I had Carolyn come near me, and we just held each other and began to pray for this man. And the reason I share this is because what Pastor Mark was just talking about, what Drew was touching on, God is pouring out compassion upon us. And I was reminded in that moment of where Jesus was moved by compassion. In Matthew 14, go read it. Matthew 14, 14. He was moved by compassion and he healed the sick among them. And God, in this day, I believe, in our body, is pouring out compassion. So just raise your hand here right now. It is time for the body to begin to be moved by compassion. And out of that flow, that river, that abundance of love, begin to minister and call for healing. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive heavenly compassion into our hearts. Would you enlarge our hearts in this day and in this season to be able to see need and to be able to just be moved by compassion and to declare healing into situations. And so, Father, for every heart in this place, we welcome the compassion from heaven that would move us to begin to release the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. In Jesus' name, have your way in us. Amen. 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 Di, do you have something to say?